In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. It's time for Sex Talk with Lou. Lou Paget on Toginet. So, have you ever wondered if you're normal or why you feel distant from your partner? Why they keep doing that? Want to recreate a truly connected relationship? Or wondered, how do I tell my partner or kids about things? Then this is your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Lou Paget is a certified sex educator, an international best-selling author, and not only will Lou and her guests discuss the most current research, they will put you at the head of the class on good, solid, scientifically-based information and how it will impact you and your family. Known for delivering information about sexuality and relationships sans the sleaze factor while retaining all the accuracy, fun, and the you're kidding factor. Let's get to it. Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. And now here's your host, Lou Paget. We have a worldwide expert who I want to be able to pick her brain as concisely and precisely as I can in order to try and share the breadth and depth of knowledge that she has. My guest this evening is Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. She is a board-certified osteopathic medical doctor from Cleveland, Ohio, and she is the founder of Tenpenny Integrative Medical Center. It's a clinic in Cleveland that specializes in holistic medicine and healing, including breast thermography, allergy relief, and bioidentical hormones. Now, here's the reason I wanted Dr. Tenpenny on tonight. As a health, a sexual health educator, one of the things I'm often asked about from, you know, by parents and from young women in college is, should I get the Gardasil shot? And honestly, my reaction to it is a flat-out big no. And one of the reasons for that is the scientific and the data-based information that Dr. Tenpenny has shared with me. And I've watched her grow her clinic and her worldwide platform of being a vaccine choice physician since I met her 11 years ago when we both happened to be on a trip together. So Dr. Tenpenny is an internationally known expert on problems associated with vaccines. She has produced many educational DVDs and is the author of two books, Fowl, which makes the connection, F-O-W-L, exclamation point, which makes the connection between bird flu and environmental pollution. And her second book in that area is called Saying No to Vaccines, and it's a guide written to help parents and adults refute the most common reasons to vaccinate. And I wrote um, one of the forewords to that book, and I have to tell you, it is a walking, talking, self, it's self-directed handbook for you if you choose to say, hmm, you know, I'm not so sure that I am interested in vaccinating myself or my children. And another thing that we will touch on is that there is a nutritional component to the two areas I'd like to speak with her about tonight. One is cervical cancer and the other is breast health and breast cancer. So without further ado, Sherry, I'm assuming that you are on the line. 
I am. Good evening, Lou. Thanks for inviting me. It is my pleasure, my dear. So first things first, let's just please explain to people how it was you got into doing this and how you have stayed the course given all of the judgment that you've had to face trying to present this information. I started my career, what I call my first life, Lou, as, a, as an emergency room doctor, and I was the director of an emergency department for 12 years here in Ohio, where I'm located now, actually in Finley, Ohio. I moved to Cleveland in 1996 to start my integrative medicine practice, and in September of 2000, I went to the National Vaccine Information Center meeting in Washington, D.C., and I'm not exactly sure why I went to that meeting, but it seemed as though every time I tried to toss the brochure away, it just kept saying, you need to go. So I ended up going there, and um, I really thought that uh, it was interesting that at the time I was single, and I really thought that perhaps I was there to meet the right person, but instead of meeting the right person, what I ran into was a boatload of information that I just wasn't familiar with. I come from three generations of chiropractors. Uh, My grandfather, my father, three uncles, and two cousins. I wasn't vaccinated as a child. I had measles, mumps, rubella, pertussis, chicken pox, and oh, by the way, I'm here to talk about it. And so after going to that meeting and spending three days listening to researchers and scientists and investigators and hearing dozens of stories from parents with vaccine-injured children, I went home with my head a bit in a turmoil saying, you know, I've been in conventional medicine since 1995. I've been doing integrative medicine since 19, um, nine, I'm, in, in, I'm sorry, um, conventional medicine since 85, alternative medicine or, uh, since 94, this is now September of 2000. How is it that I could have missed this vaccine information? So I thought if I were a lawyer and I wanted to investigate something, I would go to the court cases of the highest law of the land, which would be the U.S. Supreme Court. So I thought, well, if I'm going to investigate the issues surrounding vaccines, I guess I will go to the highest law of the land, which would be the Centers for Disease Control, and I would start reading their papers and just see what they had to say about it. The very first paper that I read was the General Recommendations for Vaccination, the 1998 version. It was a 42-page paper, and at the end of it I said, this can't be it. This can't be what a multi-billion dollar industry has, has been built upon. There's bad science here, bad research, even bad grammar and bad spelling. And, and I said, there's got to be something more than this. And so from, from saying, it, going, saying that and going, there must be something more, since September of 2000, I've now invested more than 12,000 hours of my own individual research time combing through the medical literature and particularly the peer-reviewed medical literature of JAMA, the New England Journal, the Pediatric Infectious Disease Journal, much of the CDC's website, looking at their information. And it's one of those things, Lou, that you you can't find what you're not looking for, but when you're actually looking for something, things stick out like sore thumbs. Mm -hmm. And the more that I found and the more that I investigated the problems associated with vaccines that nobody was talking about, I said, well, somebody needs to do something about this. Mm -hmm. Naive me thought that all I would have to do is to tell people what I found and everybody would roll over and say, well, vaccines, we've got to stop this. Unlike, uh, but, you know, like most well-intended thoughts, that really isn't the way that it turned out. And But I've been educated tens of thousands, probably millions of people across the world, started out as the real pioneer in this particular industry. There were a few around when, when I started in 2000. There are mm-hmm. many, many more now because they've, they've looked at the entire science and background of the vaccine industry and they realize that, that the entire industry is, pre- is based on a few false premises. 
One of which is that you can get vaccinated and still get the disease. Uh-huh. The other is that you're, everyone is going to be exposed, which they're not. And the third is that if you're exposed, you're always going to get sick, which we know that's not true either. Uh-huh. And from there, the vaccine industry has become the backbone of the pharmaceutical industry because most of the big pharmaceutical drugs are rolling off patent this year, as you, as you know. Uh-huh. They're, if they're no longer patentable, they're no, they no longer are billion-dollar blockbusters. So now there are 330 vaccines in the pipeline development. Oh, and my most God. Of, most of those are targeted. There's 96 right now waiting for approval, most of them targeted towards adolescents. Mm-hmm. And many of our parents will say things like, and like for you and me, I mean, we're about the same age. And, and I said, you know, where, where, where did all this come from? Well, up to 1985, there really were only three vaccines. There was MMR, which is measles, mumps, rubella, DPT, mm-hmm. which is pertussis, tetanus, and diphtheria, and polio. So there were three shots, MMR, DPT, and polio, and you got a few doses of those, and that was it. Well, now there are 40 doses of 16 different vaccines that are given to children by the time they start school. And parents do have a right to refuse all across the country. Every state gives you the right to refuse, but with West Virginia and Mississippi being the the most difficult. But this is how I've gotten really from point A to point B. And as you know, we've known each other well for a long time, that uh, my passion for this never stops. And part of it is because there's children's and adults' lives at stake here. Vaccines are not just dead viruses and a little bacteria in in a syringe full of sterile water. There are a bunch of chemicals in there, and there's heavy metals, and there's things that can actually be deadly. Well, I I remember when you told me of the term that um, they use when a child dies as a result of a vaccination. Um, what What they were talking about is that, they were talking about uh, in, at a CDC, at a pharmaceutical rep or at a pharmaceutical meeting back in the in the mid 1980s when they were bringing talking about developing more vaccines, and there was a friend of mine who was who's a vaccine ter- attorney who specializes in vaccine injuries, and he was at one of those meetings, and what he heard industry experts say was, "We are going to roll out these vaccines, and we know that some people are going to die." Me and. What he actually said was, we understand there will be a certain amount of wastage of the vaccines, meaning that a certain number will die. And as long as that wastage level is low and acceptable, um, nobody will pay attention. So instead of, um, so who, as on your um, PowerPoint, someone calls this wastage Sean, they call it collateral damage or wastage. Yes. And so if children are injured, and many are, and we, we know that, you know, there's been this whole big thing about vaccines and autism, and, and I just think it is such a moot point discussion because even the U.S., even the, the, uh, the vaccine court, which is the, which is the federal court of claims, has given awards for damages to children who have autism. There are at least 86 children that have been awarded damages through the vaccine court, uh, those that have autism, and that the government admits that their autism was caused by vaccines. We know at least 86 of those cases that have been discovered by FOIA requests, Freedom of Information Act requests. 
there are millions of other children who have other types of, of injuries, and we know that autism is just at the far, far end of the spectrum of vaccine injury. Besides autism, there's allergies, asthma, eczema, ADD, ADHD, cancer, insulin-dependent diabetes, uh, rashes, seizure disorders, and a long, long list of neurological complications that can come from vaccines. And all of that is in the medical literature. So for people, that's that, so for that's people, the thing. So for people to say that they don't cause harm, they just don't know the information. They haven't seen it. And we have probably about 20 seconds until we go to our first break. My guest tonight is Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. When we come back, we will further discuss the impacts of vaccinations on our sexual health. And for those of you, and um, the website for Dr. Tenpenny is www.drtenpenny.com. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. With your host, Lou Paget. techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more Sex Talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Adoption, Journey to Motherhood with Mary Beth Wells. Monday mornings at 9, 8 a.m. Central. This is not your typical show about adopting children. This is a shared experience from Mary Beth's heart. Mary Beth will be talking about and covering all the issues pertaining to adoption, including adopted parents, birth parents, adoptees, foster care, and infertility. So... How did your journey to motherhood begin? Or are you still on the path? We want to hear all voices sharing their stories and talking about those issues that are so dear to our hearts. You see, Mary Beth is a birth mom that relinquished a child for adoption and ended up coming full circle by adopting two beautiful little girls from Guatemala. And that led to her starting a doll company about adopting baby dolls from all around the world so that children could choose their own doll and learn about that doll's heritage. For more on Mary Beth and her dolls, go to PreciousBabyDolls.com. Then join us for Adoption, Journey to Motherhood. With Mary Beth Wells, Monday mornings at 9, 8 a.m. Central. Remember, the heart knows no boundaries. Why do I feel so lousy? Why aren't my medications working? Why can't my doctor figure me out? These are just a few of the questions Dr. Kevin Connors will be exploring in Dr. Kevin Connors Live every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Central on Tuggynet.com. The author of the book, Help, My Body is Killing Me, solving the connections of autoimmune disease to thyroid problems, fibromyalgia, depression, ADD, ADHD, and more. He'll dig into these and many other conditions to dissect the mechanisms of your problems. Giving God the glory and looking for answers to make you look and feel better, to make you feel whole again. For more on him, his book, and the show, check out UpperRoomWellness.com. Never be satisfied with a diagnosis. There is always a reason behind it. And if you can alter the mechanisms that led you down your current path, we can change your future. It's Dr. Kevin Connors, live, Monday nights at 9, 10 Central, here on Tugginet.com. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Lou Paget. 
Welcome back, everyone. And tonight my guest is Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, who is also known as the voice of reason about alternative medicine. And in the first segment, we were speaking of how she got into looking at vaccine and vaccine health damage impacts. And what I'd like to go over in this next segment is the Gardasil, which has been marketed by Merck, and the GSK GlaxoSmithKline product that has been targeting adolescent young women for cervical cancer. So, Sherry, what's the first question I should ask you? What is human papillomavirus and why, why is this created for this? Yeah, I think that's a good place to start. HPV is short for human papillomavirus. What's important to know about that, there's, there's several things that I think sort of cut to the quick. Um, first of all, there are about 100 different viral types out there, many of which um, are floating around in the environment, just like there are many different types of meningitis bacteria. There's many different types of flu strains. There's many different strains of HPV. And about 15 of those strains have, are known to be associated with cervical cancer. In the Gardasil vaccine, there are only two strains that have been associated with cervical cancer. And interestingly enough, when they did the initial studies to determine that they were going to choose strain 16 and strain 18 to be in the Gardasil vaccine, they, had to, they did it through global pooled data because they could barely find a woman in this country who had not been previously infected with, with, uh, with HPV. HPV is a type of infection that almost every woman is, experiences somewhere in their life, and it comes and goes. In fact, the most recent statistics, one that I just, that I just read tonight, it mm -hmm. said that more than 97% of women who develop, I'm sorry, 99.1% of people who develop HPV somewhere in their lifetime, the infection just clears without any further ado. Mm -hmm. So if that's the case, why is it that we need to be vaccinating 9- to 12-year-old girls with a vaccine of known toxicity with more than 80 confirmed deaths and hundreds of uh, chronically disabled young women with a vaccine that we don't know how long the antibodies last, it only mm -hmm. covers two of the, of the viruses for cervical cancer and the other two are for venereal warts that I don't think are going to be very common in 12-year-olds. And right. we, don't, we don't know how long this is going to last, but we do know that we're creating a, a, a substantial carnage. Well, here's the other term. Can you explain to people, you are using the term associated as opposed to cause. Yeah, I, I personally think, and this is, comes from years of experience in my own clinical practice here in Cleveland, Ohio, that cervical dysplasia, which is an abnormality of, the, of, the, of cells in the cervix that are early maybe abnormalities that could progress on to cancer, that cervical dysplasia really is a, a, a nutritional deficiency disease. Okay. And I think that when you are nutritionally deficient, and the tissues break down and are not very healthy, and they're exposed to um, semen and HPV and all sorts of spermicidals and different things like that that may end up in, or even tampons that end up into the vaginal area. You have an unhealthy tissue that breaks down. Then viruses have something to adhere to. When they mm -hmm. adhere to there, they can drill deeper into the, into the tissues and then cause more inflammation, which could then over time degrade into cancer. 
that means that, and, and the reason that I say that is because what we've seen in our practice, we did a very unofficial study of about 23 patients back in our clinic several years ago, that women who came in with an abnormal pap that was identified as surgical, cervical dysplasia, what we did is we changed their lifestyles. We had them stop drinking caffeine. We took out red meat because of, of the acidity that red meat can cause. We stopped junk food and cola products. If they were smoking, we got them to quit smoking or stop or, or very much cut back, um, increased their vegetables and their cruciferous vegetables and water. And if they were on the birth control pill, we had them stop. Okay. We gave them some amazing supplements. We gave them folic acid and B12, which was really important, vitamin C, E, and A. Um, we gave them some mixed carotenoids and some vitamin D. And if women were over the age of 40, we added some natural um, progesterone that came from a compounding pharmacy uh, that was uh, actually created, and they took it on day t- uh, 14 to 28 of their cycle. Mm-hmm. After 90 days, the women who actually came back and had completed the supplement program and stop, change their lifestyle as we suggested, um, 78% of them had a normal PAP on returning. Now, if I'm not mistaken, and I read your information, there were 23 women, two of them didn't come back, and three of them said that they didn't follow the protocol. So right. of the 18 who did have the, you know, they had the reversal of everything, the other five just didn't do it. Right. They just didn't follow through. But the, the the moral of the story is is that those who did changed their diet and lifestyle, took some supplements that were specifically targeted towards their cervix, mm-hmm. it, um, their cervix healed right up and got better. Now, so imagine that. You take the right vitamins, you eat the right foods, you stop the toxic stuff in your bodies, and one of your organs gets well. Imagine that. Imagine that. Now, if I can also let people know that when they were first initially marketing Gardasil, they were doing a big push towards 9-year-old up to 11, 12-year-old young women who, by the way, in the majority, 99.9% of the cases, are not being sexually active. And so they aren't at a risk factor. And I remember, Sherry, you introducing me to the presentation that Don Richardson had done. And that, you know, here she is, a mom of young girls going, excuse me, what is the issue here? When we know the average age of diagnosis of cervical cancer is, I believe it's 47 years old. Mm-hmm. That is not someone who is that age group. But additionally, what we have is we've got people who are, who are it, it is a money-generating machine in mm-hmm. order to go after a market when you put together two words, sex and cancer. Yeah, that's true. And the reason why the Gardasil is in that age group is it's because it's the same reason that all vaccines are now loaded into the pediatric schedule is because part of the 1986 Vaccine Injury Compensation Program, or 1986 National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program, what is inside of that law, what it says is that if you are injured, you can apply for compensation through vaccine court. All of the pharma, all of the vaccines then are loaded into what's called the vaccination schedule for the pediatric population. And as long as that vaccine is on that schedule for targeted towards children and adolescents, the vaccine industry has 100% protection and liability protection from being sued in the event that you have a bad outcome from one of their products. Now, no, please tell me that isn't the one that they ended up tacking on to the end of the Patriot Act. 
No, no, that's a, that's a completely different. That's that was a completely a different. different issue. That, oh, that was the thimerosal that they tacked on. That was that was thimerosal, and it had it had a lot to do with the, um, just making a whole lot of other things without liability. Mm-hmm, but this, but the, the important part of this is the fact that the drug companies are completely protected from everything. So if your child, if you take your child in for a Gardasil vaccine and she's 12 and she's never been sexually active and you're really concerned that she might get cervical cancer when she's 47, not to say that something may have happened between 12 and 47, <laughs> like she smokes, is in on birth control pills and has multiple sexual partners and, and there's a lot of other risk factors that can come along that can cause that. And your child gets a bad reaction, meaning there are cases, there are, there are hundreds and hundreds of cases reported at the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System of girls mm-hmm. that pass out and fall off of the table and break their arm, go into seizures, um, have blood clots, um, become totally disabled, can no longer be cheerleaders or athletes, and the list goes on and on. You have no, you have no recourse against the drug companies, no recourse against the doctors, no recourse against anybody except now you have a totally disabled, wonderful teenage girl that may never recover. Now... Let's go for numbers here. What percentage do is or do people say goes to, goes if there's an HPV infection actually goes to cervical cancer? And one other point I'd like to make, and I trust that you will um, confirm this, that cervical cancer itself is much more highly represented in populations of women who do not have good medical care, who are more so in immigrant women populations who do not have their own, you know, sort of dominion over their own body. And so this is, you know, a group of women who don't even know. And I'm remembering you directed me to Diane Harper's presentation Mm -hmm. and her comment. And this is the, will you explain who Diane Harper is? Go ahead. She is the physician, the research physician, who worked for 20 years in the research of cervical cancer and was the one of the main supportive docs, uh, researching doctors behind Gardasil and GlaxoSmithKline's product. And her comment was, still, the best prevention above all is the screening procedure of the PAP because they do not have enough long-term study to know the impact of these vaccines. Yeah, and one of the other big issues about that that is a big concern to me is that the Gardasil vaccine is it's being so heavily report, uh, promoted as an anti-cancer vaccine when the incidence of cervical cancer is a little, over, a little under 8,000 incidences per year and about 3,800 deaths, which is very different than from breast cancer that has about 41,000 deaths and lung cancer, which is about 67,000 deaths. But here's the thing, Lou, is that there's 15 known viruses that have been associated with, with cervical cancer. So you have a breakdown, mm-hmm. bad tissue, at least 15 different viruses can go in there and cause uh, problems that could end up to be cancer. The Gardasil vaccine only covers two of them. So young girls, young women are going to get this vaccine and they're going to think, well, I'm completely protected. I'm never going to get cervical cancer. Therefore, I do not need to go and get a pap test. Exactly, exactly. Now we have probably 15 seconds until we go to our break. My guest tonight is Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, and when we come back from the break, we're going to continue giving you this breakdown so that you are prepared when you get asked if you want to have a Gardasil vaccine, and you, of course, will very brightly say, 
No, thank you. I have the information. Here we come with our tunes. Please stay with us. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. To communicate, y'all wave your hands. Look who's on. It's the Keith Wine Show on Toginet.com, Wednesday nights at 8, 7 Central. Every week, that Keith Wine Show will have guests that share their experiences, expertise, opinions, and personal lives with us to hopefully help us better understand others. The topics and guests will come from the American Sign Language community. For more on Keith Wine and the show, go to his website, KeithWineWANN.com. Listen with an open mind and willingness to learn and help with the cultural bridge. Number number one, Keith's number one. Everybody clap because the Coda Man's on. Number number one, Keith's number one. Everybody clap because the Coda Man's on. Don't miss that Keith One Show. Wednesday nights at 8, 7 Central on toginet.com. Do holidays and celebrations get you down and leave you feeling frazzled? Then join Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon, 11 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Sandy will help you discover the secrets to having the celebrations you've always dreamed of while adding fun and meaning to your life. From Valentine's Day to Christmas to special family events, Sandy Fowler will show you how to put the fun and meaning back into those special days by taking a look at what we can do to turn the upcoming holidays into cherished memories and show us how to allow it to intertwine with everyday life. For more on the show, Sandy, and to receive Sandy's Holiday Happiness Booklet, go to HeartfilledHolidays.com. Then get set to discover the secrets to creating happy holidays and happy everydays by joining Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon Eastern Standard Time on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Welcome back, everyone. Tonight, my guest is Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, and before the break, we were speaking of the breakdown numbers um, in Gardasil, the vaccine that is given to young women to supposedly prevent a cervical cancer. And Dr. Tenpenny was giving a breakdown of the actual um, virus that is in there, or the types of virus, HPV, human papillomavirus, of the, how many did you say, Sherry? There's 15? There are 100 viruses in circulation, about mm-hmm. 15 that have been associated with cancer, and only two of those 15 are contained within the Gardasil vaccine. Okay. I think another thing that people need to know is that, that there's a couple of 
there's several bad chemicals in that vaccine. I think a lot of times when people think of vaccines, they think about, oh, all that's in there is a little dead virus and a little sterile water. I mean, a little is good, more is better, right? Well, in the Gardasil vaccine, it's got the highest concentration of aluminum per shot of any vaccine that they've made. And aluminum can cause allergies. It can cause nodules in your arm that can last for years. It can cause uh, all kinds of neurological problems. Um, it, there, and the list goes on and on. There's two other chemicals that are in the Gardasil vaccine, which is one is polysorbate 80, which is a food preservative that's uh-huh. been shown to cause infertility in female mice. And there's something called borax, which is like sodium borax, like that's, you know, that uh, you used to wash your soap with uh-huh. or wash your, uh, your clothing with. And sodium borax has been shown to cause testicular atrophy in little boys. And we've been talking an awful lot about Gardasil for little girls, but last year they decided to make an approval for HV, for Gardasil vaccine for boys because little boys are the dirty little spreaders of this virus. And now we They're need the, to start. Yeah, the little disease vector. So now we have to vaccinate them. So what that has done now is now we've got chemicals given to little boys and little girls that could potentially down the road cause them to have infertility problems. And that double Merck's um, market share from an estimated $17 billion per year by 2016 to $35 billion a year off of this one vaccine alone. And now that doesn't include any of the drugs that they sell for the side effects of the Gardasil vaccine. That's just for the sale of the, of the vaccine alone. $35 billion. Tell people, because Dr. Tenpenny has a tremendous PowerPoint on her website and resources for anyone wanting to look for themselves. You can browse, you know, it's www. Go ahead, Sherry. It's drtenpenny.com, D-R-T like Tom, E-N like Nancy, P like Paul, E-N-N-Y.com, drtenpenny.com. And when you go there, there's a tab at the top that says multi, that, that says, um, that, that goes to multimedia. Um, and when you go, uh, actually the first tab that you go to is a vac- it says Vaccine Resource Center. There's a drop down that says multimedia. And under multimedia is a 54 slide PowerPoint presentation with all the stats, all of the documentation, everything that Lou and I have talked about so far on this program that you can go and look at for free. Mm-hmm. And um, there's also the additional uh, videos of Dr. Tenpenny. Um, who, what was the one with yourself with Don Richardson? You were in Austin? Um, yeah, Don Richardson and I. Don Richardson is the voice of Texas. She single-handedly got the philosophical exemption reinstated in Texas, and she's the one that takes on the Texas, Texas legislature on a very regular basis to ensure the people in Texas have a right to refuse vaccines if they want to. Don Richardson and I were, were invited to debate with an official from the public health department in Austin, Texas, back in November of 2009, and there's a full video recording of how we kind of we we kind of cut him up in little pieces, <laughs> and, uh, and all of that is on the website too. Under in our store, there's there's you can go to the store and see the books that I have for sale and the DVDs. There's a place on the website where you can get your vitamin D level tested. There's just a myriad of information. There's it's very information dense. There's several hundred pages there. So if you're interested in more topics about vaccines other than just Gardasil, um, there's enough information there to keep you busy for a long time. Uh, that that is an understatement, my dear. <laughs> now, when you were 
let me just ask you this question because I've been asked it by some parents who have said, well, you know, the only reason that they're trying to push this vaccine is so that it's going to make it okay for young women to have sex. There's some probably some truth to that. And, and I mean, there is probably some truth to that. It's not that it's going to make it okay, but I think that parents feel that they're going to get a, a false sense of security out of it, that they know that younger people are, are, are sexually active, and so we're going to put them on birth control pills and we're going to give them a Gardasil vaccine, and that way it's going to keep them from having any problems, which is a very slippery slope in a lot of different directions and a very false sense of security. I, I could not agree with you more. Let's also jump and look at, they're also trying to target more mature women. Well, the the issue with the Gardasil vaccine and the U.K. version of the Gardasil vaccine that's called the Cerevix, that's made from, by a, a different company. It's made by GSK. GSK. Mm-hmm. And, the Mer- and Merck makes the Gardasil vaccine. And the... Um, they're trying for a while they were trying to target it to older adults but the problem is is that like i said previously that almost all women have been exposed to hpv and have had an infection at some point in time in their life and 99.1% of those infections clear spontaneously or perhaps when they take vitamins and they they do better things to take care of their health and so if you've had a previous infection the Gardasil vaccine has absolutely no efficacy at all. It doesn't work at all. And that's one of the other reasons why they're targeting such a very young population of nine-year-old girls, making the assumption that they have never been exposed, and they're certainly not tested before they're given the shot. And since they haven't been exposed, that they're probably going to have a better outcome. Now, we have no idea how long these antibodies are going to be around. And since the average age of getting, getting cervical cancer is in your mid-40s, you may be trying to protect your child from something that that the vaccine is going to wear off long before she's even susceptible to cervical cancer and she's assumed all the risks of the vaccine. And you know what, that was one of the comments that Diane Harper made in that vaccine presentation, Um, that, you know, we don't know how long it's going to act for and, you know, she may be sexually active at 18 and if it only lasts for, you know, seven years, then she's not going to be protected. I've said that a lot about one of the other vaccines, Lou, that we certainly don't have time to discuss, but about the hepatitis B vaccine. And I know that the hepatitis B is also given to adults, but they give hepatitis B to to babies at birth. And that uh, the hepatitis B is a disease of sexual transmission, and it's usually used in, uh, you see it higher in, in the prostitute population, and you see it in IV drug abusers, people that share needles. So I've said frequently that by the time your baby gets old enough to be an IV drug abuser, using prostitute, the, the, the uh, antibodies from hepatitis B are going to be long gone. <laughs> no. Ay, ay, ay. No. No, now, is there anything else that you want to cover about the Gardasil? Um, do you know of any other uh, vaccines that they are attempting to put together for any other sexually transmitted infections? Many. In fact, they're looking at chlamydia. They're looking at a herpes vaccine, and they're having a big trouble, big problems with herpes because there's so many different strains of it. Um, they're looking at um, staphylococcal. They're looking at group B strep. They, like I said previously, there are 95 vaccines right now waiting to be approved, and the vast majority of them are headed towards adolescents. So if any of your listeners are saying, wow, am I glad I don't need to make those decisions anymore because my babies are now in junior high, guess again, 
because the huge next mar- targeted market for the pharmaceutical industry are adolescents and your early young adults because they make much fewer um, office visits because parents, if they get a cold, the, the parents just say, well, tough it out or here's some, here's some uh, over-the-counter medications and you'll be fine. They don't drag them to the doctor for everything like uh, scared new parents do with their, with their little children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and what I didn't do is tell people, if, if you have a question, we do, we do take callers here, 877-864-4869, repeating again, 877-864-4869. My guest is Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. Now, another area, Sherry, that you have, are, are creating clinics is in Breast health, another area that is very near and dear to many people about their sexuality and it's, you know, how they feel about themselves. And nutrition for breast health. Well, back, I'm going to take one step back before we talk about nutrition, Lou, because that's really important. But I think that diagnostics is really important, even with young women, is mm-hmm. because we need to understand that there's this myth of the normal mammogram that women look at mammograms as though they prevent cancer. It's like, oh, i got to go get my mammogram. Like uh, it's going to do something to prevent them from getting cancer, when seriously that it's only a diagnostic measuring tool to see whether or not you have cancer right now or yet. And if you continue to uh, compress and radiate this, t- the tender breast tissue, there is, report, there is substantiation in the medical literature that says that it can induce cancer. So l- many women look at mammograms the same way that they look at flu shots. They think that flu shots are good for them, like going and get a a shot of a multivitamin or something, and it's going to keep them from getting sick. And so it's certainly not, neither one of those are true. So there's another technology out there that's called a thermogram, and we prefer to call it an infrared digital scan, which is an infrared scan of the breast that looks for areas of heat and concern that can show up anywhere from six to seven years before you will see it on a mammogram. And then that way you can use nutrition and you can use supplements and you can use lifestyle and changes to heal the breast tissue and and very much decrease the rest that those those areas of concern will progress to cancer. Now, we have one minute until our next break. What I would like, um, I can just quickly describe for people what it is like to have an infrared digital scan. You go into a room, you disrobe from the waist up, and the room is cool. So what they want to do is cool the heat of your body from the clothes on it, and you are cooled for X amount of time in the room, and then they do the thing. This is the toughest thing. You put your hands in ice cold water. Mm, wait, you skipped a step. Oh, did I? You missed a step. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> well, after you get cooled to an amb- ambient temperature, you put your hands above your head, and they take three scans. Oh, and, okay. And they take three base as a baseline scan, and then you put your hand for one minute into what we call this evil cold water. And what that does is it sends a shock wave through your system to con- to constrict normal blood vessels. Exactly. And then they, re- and then they repeat gonna... it. We, they repeat it with the hands over your head. So we can bring that, talk about that again when after your break. Yes. Well, please stay with us, and we'll talk about shocking our hands. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs>
This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. With your host, Lou Paget. techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Lindale Link with host Holly Rand comes Mondays at 10 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Linda Link is Lindell's first and only internet radio broadcast. Holly, tell us about it. It's really something from my heart that I want to be teamwork um, for the entire community to get the word out about everything that's going on here. We're talking to the entire community of Lindell. This is not limited to just businesses or just parents or just teachers. Simply to get the word out about your cause or your company, you must go to where the people are. And today, people are on the internet. Lindale Link. Lindale, Texas is a growing chain of of business, education, commerce, community. Together, Linda Link can create one strong chain of communication. Check out LindaleLink.com and then check out Lindale Link, the radio show. Lindale Link with host Holly Rand. Mondays at 10 a.m. Central on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Welcome back, everyone. We're coming into our final segment. My guest tonight is Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. And before the break, we were talking about um, doing the infrared digital scan, also called thermography. And having done it myself, I missed one step in describing it because all I could remember was the evil cold water. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I have to tell you, it really does shock you. But And then, again, you have another set of scans with your hands above your head. Now, Sherry, I remember you making one particular comment at at one of your last presentations to describe for women what the development of, you know, a a cancer, you know, area within their breast tissue would be like. There's a really good explanation of this that I got from a textbook called Breast Imaging for a, from um, the, the whole textbook. It's a medical textbook, very thick, one of those big honk and heavy medical textbooks that was written by someone by the name of Dr. Daniel Copans from Mass General. And he was the one who gave me the, the idea or the concept of the way it was it, it described. If you think about cancer in the breast, 
starting as one individual cell that then divides to two and four and eight and so on. And if you imagine that one cell sitting on the ocean floor, and as it, as it divides, it continues to rise. So as each, each division, it goes higher and higher. And from the basement, or I mean from the ocean floor to the surface of the ocean, is where at the surface of the ocean is where the cancer can be detected by mammography. And so that period of time from it, the, that that first little abnormal cell leaves the ocean floor up until it reaches the surface of the ocean is anywhere from six to seven years that it's continuing to grow and divide and get more blood vessels and more inflammation and more heat and more things going on. It's, it's, that it's the when, blood flow. It's the blood flow that, that is feeding it is the thing that the thermography sees. It's more than just blood flow. It's, it's the whole area conflicts of inflammation, increasing nitric oxide, um, more white blood cells into the area, which, um, so there's a, a whole area of, uh, of things that show up more redness and more heat in the area of concern in the breast. So the distance between the ocean floor and the surface of the ocean, the time span, if that were in your breast, would be about seven to eight years where that's continuing to go on. So this is where infrared imaging can pick up those details and identify those areas of concern and why mammography is a late test. It doesn't find the areas of concern until that area reaches the surface of the ocean, which by then it's far too late. Now, do you have do you have on your site the studies that you talked about the saying that thermography? What you didn't say thermography would be better. That you said that the that the mammography. You made a comment earlier. Well, the 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 key is is that for people to understand that. This is the reason why conventional medicine doesn't embrace this and why it's not wholeheartedly accepted and paid for by your insurance is because doctors don't know what to do with that positive scan. When they see that area of heat that's happening before it shows up on a mammogram, if there's nothing on the mammogram, which they know how to treat with surgery and chemo and radiation, they don't know much about nutrition and lifestyle and supplements and things that can address that area as that balloon is rising from the ocean floor. So one, so many times, one of the things I say to women when we are, and I'm giving community talks, is that if you get an abnormal mammogram and there's, and they're very concerned about it, the very first thing you need to do instead of panicking is to sit down and take a deep breath. This is not an emergency. It is not a five alarm fire. It has been going on for many years. You have time to get second opinions. You have time to talk to people. You have time to decide if it turns out to be cancer, what you want to do about it. Do you want to do all conventional treatment, all alternative treatment, a combination of the two? You have time to decide. So don't let anybody take you from the mammography suite down the hall to the surgical suite. And I've heard stories of that happening. So have I. So, so, this, so this, so this is a this is a tool called infrared imaging or thermography, uh, breast thermography that's been around and it's an FDA approved device to be used in conjunction with mammography. It's been approved since 1982. And so it's been around for a long time, and many of the early studies showing the efficacy of the tool that were done in the early 1990s had upwards to 60,000 women in these studies. And all that information was literally just tossed under the bus because, because? Doctors, because doctors don't know what to do with a, an abnormal scan. So Can they my, not be educated? Uh, 
Lou. Don't start me. <laughs> don't start me. We don't have enough time left in the whole rest of the evening about trying to get doctors to understand lifestyle, nutrition, diet, supplementation, because first of all, it requires some effort on their part to learn it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, God bless them. Even those with the best of intentions, they have very busy lives in their very conventional world. And so unless they are very dedicated to carving out time to learn something new other than what the drug rep is handing them as they walk through the door, they're never going right. to get it. And so it's incumbent on your listeners, it's incumbent on the patient to take the self-responsibility to find out about these tools, step outside their comfort zone and outside of their insurance box and go do something like investing their money in their health. What better place to put it in this day and age? Um, you know, you and I have had this conversation before that literally we have all had to become our own consumer advocates in just about every area. Absolutely. And, and particularly when it comes to our health. Mm-hmm. Where, And it's not that, you know, we think people are lying to us. Some are. But for the majority of times, and I love that quote, the Upton Sinclair quote that you have in your PowerPoint, mm-hmm. that it is a, it's difficult to get a man to understand something when his salary depends on his not understanding it. Yeah, and I would go so far as to say get difficult for a man or a woman because just because you're seeing like a, a functioning fem- human. <laughs> yeah, just because you're seeing a female physician doesn't necessarily mean they are any less conventionally boxed in than their male counterparts. No, this is true. And we know I, you know, I know being on the, you know, advisory council with the former surgeon general and on the leadership um committee for the first chair in, in the Center for Sexual Health that the majority of physicians do not get any training in the area of sexuality in their four years of med school. And they don't get any training in nutrition or supplements or lifestyle other than the basic stuff either. They are trained to diagnose and address disease with, with plastic things called drugs. And so they, and they, that's why they don't know anything about vaccines either. I mean, I started this top of the hour by saying I've spent more than 12,000 hours of my life, and that is no exaggeration. In fact, it's probably an understatement. Um, and, and I don't know anybody, any other pediatrician, any other doctor who could even hold a candle to that. Well, I can attest to the fact that I have watched Sherry in 11 years, 12 years. This has been, um, she has had an unwavering focus on getting this information for people, not because she had a vaccine-damaged child or someone else, but because she saw it constantly coming into her clinic and knew there had to be another way for these things to be treated. Tell me, Sherry, nutrition for breast health. Do you have something on your site that can have women, you know, like you talked about turmeric, vitamin D, calcium, DIM? You talked about these things when I was at one of your presentations. There, I'm not sure that the, there's any PowerPoint presentation on the on the website right now because we're moving some of the uh, PowerPoint presentation into a different area of a new site, and mm-hmm. so. There's probably not anything specifically there, but just to address the types of things that are really important. Um, DIM is very important. DIM is the active ingredient in broccoli, but you'd have to eat a couple bushel baskets a day of broccoli to get 300 milligrams of DIM. So it's much easier to take a supplement. Um, Decaffeinated green tea extract combined with DIM has been shown clinically proven that it's more effective than cisplatinum for, for killing off early cancer cells. 
A calcium deglucurate, it's not about the calcium, ladies. It's not about the calcium. It's about the portion of that supplement called glucurate, which glucurate helps you eliminate the extra estrogens you do not need. Vitamin D, they've just, there was a recent study that came out of about 479 women that had abnormal mammograms but were not diagnosed with cancer. They got their vitamin D levels up above 75, repeated the mammogram six months later, and the mammograms in 100% of the women were normal. So very high levels of vitamin D is critical. The what other about iodine? You know, the most important element really is iodine. But iodine in high concentrations is what you need for breast health. But anyone that has thyroid disorders really needs to do that in conjunction with a physician. And out there, if you're in California or in the 16 states where naturopaths are actually licensed, um, naturopaths tend to have a lot more training and education about supplements and nutrition. I try to find a really good naturopathic alternative naturopathic doctor and work with them. Mm-hmm. Now, if someone wants to come to your site and find that, will they find the breast health information on it? There's lots of breast health information, in it, but it's not on the drtenpenny.com site. Drtenpenny.com okay. is all about vaccines. It's about the book, Saying No to Vaccines. It's about the two-DVD set for the flu, which I encourage everybody to get because flu season's coming and you really want to have this information about why you don't want to get a flu shot. The information about my clinic and about breast health is on the other website, which is Tenpenny, T-E-N-P like Paul, E-N-N-Y, Tenpenny, I-M-C, Iris Mary Charlie, which is short for Integrative Medical Center. So it's tenpennyimc.com. That is all the information. There's supplements there. There's information about breast health and breast thermography and sleep and neurotransmitter balancing and all the other things that we do in the office. Now, we have one minute until we close. Is there anything else you would like to let people know? I think that what Lou and I were talking about tonight is really important about being your own self-advocate. It's really important to take care of yourself. And with the economy being what it is and about the changes potentially coming in our health care system, there's no better place in the world to invest a little bit of your money outside of what your insurance can pay for into your health because insurance is about sick care. Health care right now needs to come out of your pocket. And what better way to try to stay healthy but to take care of yourself mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually than to invest some money and time in, your, in yourself and use the tools that Lou presents on this show and use the tools that I have on my website to keep yourself healthy for years to come. Dr. Tenpenny, thank you so much, my dear. Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, thank you for being with us. We'll see you next week. Bye thank for you now. So much. Bye-bye. Bye, Sherry. Thank you for being a part of Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with host Lou Paget. Every week, this will be your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Join Lou Paget.